0: You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal Or measure them all by box office appeal But for once in your life Be real! Welcome one and all to your movie reviewing and reappraising podcast It is the podcast known to dozens as Be Real My name is Chance Solem Pfeiffer
1: And I'm Noah Ballard
0: We're here for another week One of us is healthy, one of us is deeply congested, but he looks good, I can tell you. But do I look good? I can tell you, he does.
1: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I have a little bit of a cold, bit of a low-grade sinus infection, but I'm going to press on here.
0: We're going to make high-grade audio, regardless. Well,
1: like, the, the grade of the audio might suffer, like, let's be real, but my... Intellectual stimulation that you'll receive from listening to the sound of my voice will be at an all time high.
0: I feel like I'm getting a sinus infection just listening to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> how's your weekend been? Uh, well, let's tell the people what we're doing here and then we can duck quickly to the ethos corner. So, we're talking about three movies that came out between the years 1990 and 1996 that are based on. Uh, I will say broadly, sitcoms of the '60s. One of them's a cartoon. We're going to talk about the Flintstones, the Adams Family, and the Brady Bunch movie. So, a really concentrated burst of nostalgia here, 20 years ago for something that came 30 years before that.
1: Yeah, and they're absolutely. all streaming,
0: so we don't have to like trip ourselves up later on. If if you yourself know you want to watch these, uh, Adams Family is on Amazon. Very Brady Bunch or Brady Bunch movies on Hulu, and uh, Flintstones is on Netflix. So. That's out of the way.
1: Yeah, that's one of the reasons that we picked this insufferable category.
0: And I know, I knew in advance that Noah was going to be upset, so I've steeled myself. Um, I'm going to be as chipper as the, you know, the TV land exec who programs the these fourth <laughs> son
1: of a man named Brady.
0: <laughs> um, let's go to the ethos corner.
1: Keep it real. Think slow. We should get through it just fine. Little Ryder, Donnie. Donnie, Little <laughs> Well, I'm just sick as a dog. Um, <laughs> that's my ethos. Um, yeah. No, I'm home for uh, Mother's Day. We're recording this on Mother's Day 2018.
0: Happy Mother's Day, Nancy.
1: Happy Mother's Day, your mom.
0: Good work. Kathleen. There it is. Oh. I didn't edit that, by the way. That was a real-time pull on Noah's part. <laughs> I've already
1: said that I'm, like, not feeling that great. Yeah. I wish she would just take it easy on me. The Monsters movie really <laughs> threw me for a loop. I didn't particularly enjoy the Monsters film.
0: <laughs> oh, the monsters.
1: Um, anything More else going on? on, on?
0: More... <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they made these movies up on Moron Mountain um, The only thing I have to say that was is any fun is I went to my local theater, which is great, the Hollywood Theater Because we we're going to go see the premiere of the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary RBG In the lot, which was good In the lobby, my 16-year-old self cried out in delight Are you familiar with the exploitation actor Fred Williamson? Sure Star of such films as Black Caesar and Hell Up in Harlem? Sure he was hanging out, signing autographs what? with the biggest, coolest chain and tan suit I've ever seen, charming old lady after old lady. I was over the moon.
1: He's he's just like a big proponent of Ruth Bader Ginsburg or something.
0: <laughs> no, they were screening they were screening Black Caesar in another theater, and he was there. For oh, a okay.
1: <laughs> I maybe would have added that in if I was telling that story, but.
0: Okay, let's run What is your fluency With the TV of the 60s Were you a TV line kid Were you a Nick at Night kid Yeah Do I mean I've
1: like seen episodes Of all of these shows
0: Sure same
1: But I'm not like
0: A Brady I, scholar
1: I'm not like a scholar by any means Like I definitely right. took Like I audited a class on Like 1960s oh you did but you didn't
0: like watch these growing up i did oh okay oh i see you're extending my metaphor (laughs)
1: right (laughs) i was i was playing by your rules
0: we definitely had a tv land phase where all we watched was get smart leave it to beaver and andy griffith every day for two years so i have like a warmth for these for like this era even though i don't i can't name you more than like three brady kids (laughs)
1: let's start with the brady bunch movie let's work reverse Okay, Because this good. is the, the coup de grace, maybe, of this genre. And since there are no movies in here that, like, I mean, maybe some of you have seen these. Maybe some of you haven't. I wouldn't call any of them, like, major works of cinema.
0: The Adams Family was a pretty big hit.
1: I mean, they all are movies that made money.
0: Right. But no, uh, you're right. None of them are must-sees. I hadn't seen any of them.
1: Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen any of them either. Uh so let's jump in with the Brady Bunch movie. Um I mean this is a story of a man named Brady. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, this like picks up way after the the you know lead-in that the theme song gives you. Right. Not only have the Bradys been around for a while, they have like weirdly not aged and somehow have now been transplanted into 90s hyperbole of the 90s. It's 1995. The world we know has changed. Put on your Sunday best, kids. We're going to see Sears. Yeah, but right! the Bradys Groovy. never will.
0: I am sorry.
1: With Mike. If your sister
0: would wear her glasses, she just might improve her eyesight. Carol. Honey, I think you've stirred that enough. I'm not stirring. I'm looking for Katie Carrey all's underpants. Greg. All right, this is a car, Jack. Of course this is a car.
1: Yeah, but my name's not Jack. It's Greg. Bobby. And Cindy. Why so don't you hop back on the Swiss Miss package where you belong, huh? Okay. Peter.
0: Lunch looks pretty rank. What'd you bring? Pork chops and applesauce. Jan. Hi, everybody. It's the new Jan Brady. <laughs> Marcia. Oh! Dinner's ready. Oh, my nose. I'm sure no
1: one will ever notice. Ever
0: be a teen model. And Alice. Uh,
1: the Brady Bunch movie. Marsha did it again. Marsha, Marcia,
0: Marsha! Marcia. Yeah, and that's the joke, right? Is that they've just they've transplanted the old show into a new a new world where everyone looks at every uh Kurt Cobain dot boom loving person around them. <laughs> right. Looks at them and says, you know, what is what is with those Brady's and their their kind of uh, their old modern house and their clothes and the fact that they all talk like this.
1: I think we should explain, like, if you don't know what the Brady's are.
0: Well, sure. Part of the connection of all three of these movies, the Brady Bunch probably being the most resonant example, is that I think they, they come out of a time of uh, network tel- network television where people were beginning to like just dip their toe in the water of what it meant not to do the father knows best leave it to be for Dick Van Dyke thing right. and admit that families were becoming a little stranger by your Eisenhowerian standards right um, and so I mean the Flintstones is just a fucking cartoon gag but like these other two I think acknowledge in some way that like America was. Um, you know, having to learn to live with itself, and they were sort of aspirational in that way, especially the Brady Bunch.
1: Sure. But there's also a bit of a bite to that, too, of like, what we think of right now in the 90s, but also making fun of how stupid the 90s is, in some ways. And, like, in a weirdly prescient, but also, like, super over-the-top and cynical way, I would say. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. we open with this sort of like montage of like 1990s Los Angeles. And it's supposed to give us the context of like, here's a place where people just like throw trash into the street and like traffic is horrible. And like, you know, people are hacking the road signs to say like horrible stuff. And like, I mean, we're kind of in, yeah, we're like in a future, not unlike the one in uh, demolition man, almost. (laughs) Uh-huh But it's still the 90s Uh Yeah And then we like weirdly Sort of the camera zooms in And they are like The Brady's are still Hanging out in their like right. Los Angeles suburb And they never really explain Why the Brady's are there No Or how they got there Or like Why they Aren't They didn't like Acclimate to the Because ni- they don't even appear To be aware Of Not that they're in the 90s, but they're not even really aware of time as a construct at all. (laughs) And they have somehow missed any sort of cultural shifts that have happened both in like architectural designs and, well, most notably in architectural design and fashion. Right. But for some reason, like with these values of the late 60s, early 70s, like they get through the day. It's true Like relatively unscathed And then mm-hmm. not only are they byproducts of a this other time They're also psychic Like they're all like suffering from like debilitating mental disorders
0: <laughs> Well that's a lot of like the This movie's read on Jan The middle Brady sister Is I think probably uh, Can we call it the funniest example in any of the movies About something that one of the new filmmakers Has interpreted about the relationship um, Well, and
1: also I would say that Marsha, too, like, goes through her own You know, I mean, she has An on sorry level, like Bad sexual experience uh-huh. That she, like, doesn't know how to deal with And she's also, like, terribly vapid and vain Right. In a way that I think is sort of 70s too.
0: Sure, sure.
1: But yeah, but Jan is she's just like she's borderline per- she's got multiple personality disorder.
0: Right, right.
1: She had, literally has voices in her head that the movie like picks at until she like then goes and talks to the ga- the guidance counselor played by Rue Paul. Incredible. Which is incredible. And then this movie like goes down a really dark I would say path.
0: Sure. Sure. It's,
1: it definitely takes the darkest Brady Bunch timeline.
0: Yeah. Um. So let's jump in. I one of the things that I really like about this movie, I mean, really like, is, but it but is hiding behind some of the louder like cultural references to like, oh, I remember the '60s, I remember the '90s, is this this two languages that the movie is able to speak in, where people are moving cinematically who are not the Bradys, but then you go in their house. And the MVP of the movie is the fact that they've decided to leave room for a laugh track that is not there. And what that enables all of <laughs> yeah. these people to do, Gary Cole, Christine Taylor, all these people, is to deliver those like, hi, dad, or like, oh, Marsha. And then there's like dead silence. And yeah, it's they, like, they pause for it. It's, it's, this, <laughs> it's this wrinkle of form that is so perplexing and uncanny and hilarious I just think Betty Thomas did an awesome job like intuiting that choice.
1: That's so funny. And I wonder if they like originally planned to like put a laugh track in it and then like abandoned that.
0: I have no idea.
1: The fact that it like the act like the characters wait for the laugh is funny.
0: It's really funny. A laugh that never comes. I can't emphasize that enough how much dead silence there is.
1: Well, I thought that when we were texting you were like you thought the Brady Bunch movie like was lol laugh out loud funny oh i do you do so maybe they thought like well this is just where the audience will laugh
0: that's a good point yeah and i i think i did for doesn't do much
1: for someone watching it on his laptop in his room alone but
0: (laughs) uh i think the first half of the movie is like especially funny it it fades in a way that like Well, we we can talk about this with any of the three movies you want, but the way they adapt these movies from sitcoms from a time when nobody even dreamed of the idea of like larger arcing in narrative television and then transposing them onto a movie all via like some dumb like money hijinks about whether the family can keep their house um, is really not very inventive at all. So the movie suffers from that.
1: I sort of disagree with you. I think the back half of the movie is far more entertaining than the front. I thought the first really? 40 minutes of this movie, until RuPaul's on screen, I thought this movie was pretty insufferable. Wow. And then I almost felt like it was... Are you familiar with the Broadway musical Into the Woods?
0: Uh, In passing, yeah.
1: So the, the construct of that show is that the first half is like your standard... Like, grim fairy tale kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then the second half is like, well, the fairy tale's over. Like, what do we do now? And then it goes into this much weirder, darker, more, like, resonant place. And I feel like with this one, like, so the the main obstacle for the Brady Bunch is they owe $20,000 in back taxes. And they're going to lose their home if they don't pay it. Right. So the one, like, easy Brady Bunch joke of it is that the dad, like, is like, <laughs> well, we have three pitches to three yeah. different uh, people who need... Architectural work done for them, and one of them I'm sure will do it, and then you'll advance me the money on my commission off that or whatever, yeah, and his boss agrees, and the only thing he seems to know how to design um Mike Brady, Gary Cole, is the house in which they live, right, which is a nine it's like a nine bedroom one <laughs> bath. <laughs>
0: With the preposterous, like, into-the-garage slant to the roof. Right. (laughs) It ends in, like, a obtuse angle on the outside.
1: (laughs) Right. So he pitches this house as, like, not a residential, but a commercial space.
0: Yeah, gas station, gym. To a gas
1: station, a gym, and I forget what the other one is, but the gym is, like, absolutely. And then they get the money, but they've only gotten you, like, 40 minutes into the movie and they still have like half a movie to show you. So what they then do is they like make up this like weird sort of social alienation of the Brady's specifically Mike Brady and um, McKean. What's his name?
0: Michael McKean from like Spinal Tap and Better Call Saul.
1: Yeah. Michael McKean essentially turns the Brady's into like a scapegoat for like all of their problems, Mm -hmm. the whole neighborhood and like anyone they do business dealings with, which I think is a much funnier look at (laughs) the way that like current generations look back to like prominent former generations and be like, they were the problem. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's true. This line
1: of thinking is, is what's so perverse here. But ultimately, the political read is that, like, the Bradys are fine and, like, continue to live. And they, like, made a sequel to this movie.
0: Of course. A very Brady real- sequel. Did you realize that if we want, and we definitely don't, we could do Viva Rock Vegas, a very Brady sequel, and Adam's Family Values... <laughs>
1: That will be the final episode of the podcast.
0: (laughs) Right. If if
1: we have run out of linked films other than the unnecessary sequels of a podcast we did earlier about 90s movies based on 1960s family-based comedies, Mm -hmm. television shows, uh, no.
0: I do enjoy the central comedic conceit of this movie, though. I think that... Um, which is just the, they just a craven, like small soldiers take on the nineties, <laughs> <90s. laughs> like running up against people who refuse to understand or or can't, uh, cannot understand like how corrupted this world is. Like I, even as as tried and true of a comedic beat as it is, I lol'd at uh Marcia going in for the fashion shoot with the guy who looks like George Michael. And he's just like, you could really work. Have you ever thought of cutting your hair, losing about 30 pounds? How do you feel about breast implants? And she slaps him and goes, cut my hair. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's an old comedic beat, but like it works here. And RuPaul, I cannot say enough about how funny it is. What, what, is, he, what is the line? Um, Paranoid schizophrenia is very common among middle children in blended families. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, like,
1: moments like that are pretty funny. And then when they really, like, lean into this young girl's psychosis right. and how, like, they lean into the fact that nobody can understand the youngest daughter's speech impediment. Right. And the fact that the next-door neighbor would literally settle for any of the Brady men right. in or, terms of sexual or partners. any
0: high school boy. It's a little, that part, I don't know, that part's questionable. <laughs> I also thought
1: it was interesting, too, that, like, um, Greg Brady's overtures towards women, like, as successful as they were in, like, the early 70s, like, in the 90s, women are like, you are a monster.
0: Yeah, you look and like, like-, like a pretty groovy chick, and people just run away. And Gary Cole, I love Gary Cole. I think he's great in Veep. I think he's great in Office Space. I love him in Dodgeball. Um, and yeah, he's, he's pretty he's fantastic in this the, the bit the leaning into the bit of um the bad sixties one way phone call where nobody's in the other line. Yes. What is it? Oh, I see. And he does the same thing when his wife is talking dirty to him and you can't hear what she's saying. He goes, right. What is that now? Oh, I see. <laughs> Gary, nobody can sell white bread dead pan like dad nonsense quite like Gary Cole. You know who's, like, not very
1: good in this, though? As good as Gary Cole is, I think Shelley Long is, like, pretty awful.
0: She's not great.
1: She doesn't have that Florence Henderson, like, thing. hmm Like, Florence Henderson, like, the whole point of the Brady parents, like, what's so enviable about them is, like, not only are they living their best lives, like, at the means that they have, or from the means that they have. They also have, like, a pretty healthy sexual relationship. Correct which is like alluded to, you know, with them like like you just said them talking dirty or they're like they're like getting a little fun under the covers or whatever and they pop up when the kid comes back into the room. But like <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I just don't think that Shelley Long and Gary Cole like have any sexual chemistry between them.
0: Well, Shelley Long doesn't have the thing that Christine Taylor is getting right in the Marcia character. Like just that that effortless Like, the the weird thing of, like, everybody in the show being, like, very hot but not knowing it Right She doesn't carry herself quite that way No, and that's a shame There are a lot of performances I like in these three movies, but the cast are so big um, that, like, you never quite get that solid dynamic from all angles in any of the movies There's always pretty bad weak points
1: well that's the thing about these like big ensemble casts is like the people that you recognize are the people who went on to do things and the people you don't really recognize are the people who didn't (laughs) and this one I think is very true like including Shelley Long who like did Cheers and then did a couple campy movies this one included and then didn't really do anything
0: else yeah should we rate this one yeah, what are you gonna say? Are you gonna say good, good? I am gonna give it a good, good. I I don't think this movie is great. I think it has its flaws. I do think it fades down the stretch. The musical number at the end, where they the prize is exactly twenty thousand um, dollars. Yeah, it's not exactly Little Miss Sunshine super freak. Like it's not directed very well. It's not very memorable. Like it that's doesn't... also
1: a pretty good song though. It's like so dated as to be like. So, like totally incomprehensible,
0: right? Right. Um, but it's it, like just
1: like cruising on down the road.
0: Yeah, but I like I've said I think that the writing is very clever and there's enough attention to detail. Like if you're gonna work with like cheesy plots about like will the bank stop. Our '60s families from living their lives. You've got to like zone in on enough things, and like just cueing the taxi driver music while Jan is walking down the street is great. Uh, yep. Gary Cole being like, "Well, if somebody's doing something wrong, you should correct them." People love to be corrected when they're doing something wrong. <laughs> I could I could rattle off the lines all day. I think it's a good good. Yeah, I think it's just so
1: like stupid though. Like, it's goofy and amusing, I would say, at best. But I don't think this is, like, a well-conceived or executed movie in terms of... I think there are some, like, laughable production moments, too. Like, when they clearly didn't have, like, Florence Henderson, like, in the set the same day with, like, most of the other kids. So most of the shots are from, like, a blonde woman's back. Mm-hmm. And then they shut to, they cut, cut to her just by herself in a room. Like, that's a little... If you really needed Florence Henderson to be in it, you should have like gotten her like before you even wrote the script.
0: But you don't think like the so I'm juxtaposing say, the styles of TV and movie and just like the the vision of what they're doing is is worth it.
1: I think as far as a thought experiment goes, this is a stupid one.
0: Well, so is remaking sitcoms from 40 years ago in general. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think that these movies like never quite get over the fact That's that true stupid fucking ideas for movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, we have there's a ceiling of quality here.
1: And I don't think the ceiling, especially for this one, goes into a first good. So I think it's going to be a bad good for me.
0: All right, all right. Should we meet the Flintstones? They're the
1: modern Stone Age family.
0: Yeah, 94. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Um, it's based on a cartoon that everybody knows about. It's like the Jetsons, but in prehistoric times. what more do you need to know?
1: but um, like it's if the cavemen had a like were given Western culture but had no technology
0: right there if you this is the one this is of the three if you start to think about like what is this or like right. <laughs> <laughs> you could go down a rabbit hole that's probably more interesting than what you're watching,
1: yeah, it's. Cavemen living like people who have very much bought into mainstream 1960s culture. So okay. everyone knows the Flintstones, or if you don't, it's... Uh, meet them. You meet them. It's Fred Flintstone, his wife Wilma, uh, his best friend Barney Rubble. Barney! And Betty Rubble, his wife, who doesn't really look anything like uh, Rosie O'Donnell, I would say.
0: They're cartoon characters. What do you want?
1: All <laughs> right. And then, of course, everyone's favorite character from the original uh, series, Cliff Vander Cave, <laughs> played yeah. by Kyle McLaughlin, the evil business baron, right. the evil executive trying to how to succeed his way in business to the top by framing Fred Flintstone for embezzling, embezzling stuff.
0: And Hallie fucking Barry's in this movie.
1: Yeah, as the o- is she the only black person, and she's only like a sex object.
0: Yes, I think that's right.
1: Until she has the moment where she's like, "You realize I'm more than a sex object, right?" And John Goodman's like, "Maybe <laughs> I love my wife," but this movie, it the setup is that they're in Bedrock, uh, and they're just doing their jobs, Barney and Fred, and then. Kyle McLaughlin like wants to embezzle all this money and they need a Patsy yeah to come up with it and some <laughs> they go through this like testing process but because Barney feels like he owes Fred a favor because Fred loaned him the money so they could adopt bam bam right uh, he like switches the test answer sheets. So, like, his stone slab is different than Fred's, and then because they switch them, um, Fred gets this corporate job, and you know, Barney starts getting shit on. I'm home. This summer, yeah, from Universal Pictures and Amberlin Entertainment.
0: So there are a lot of things that sink this movie, but can I talk about one of the ones that kind of unnecessarily perplexed me the most? Why, why is Fred such a bad person?
1: Well, that's my question to you, Chance, is that is F- Fred such a dick, like, in the television show? Is he so abusive to Barney? I don't, I can't recall.
0: I don't either. But, like, it seems to me, like, with cartoon to TV, something that is, like, geared at nine-year-olds, there's no reason to be faithful to any sort of, like, (laughs) anti-hero bent of Fred Flintstone. And I don't know why he... He really... He's sort of like this Archie Bunker, or like, Ralph Cramden, like a really, um, you know, unapologetically, like... Beer swilling, like would be racist, like sexist, fat man of the house.
1: Yeah, I mean, he literally says at one point, like he is the king of his castle or his cave or whatever.
0: He's honestly not very much like uh, Dan Connor, famously played by John Goodman and Roseanne. He's much a much like older. Well, he
1: shot this movie in the summer between seasons six and seven of. Roseanne, I read on IMDb trivia.
0: There you go, but we're missing that that Dan Connor sweetness here. It's much more like Jackie Gleason, almost like a why I Oughta to, like the women in the audience.
1: I think this movie is so brutally miscast. I mean, I don't know like who I would put in the Elizabeth Perkins role, but I it wouldn't be Elizabeth Perkins as Wilma. As Wilma, I just don't. But you're talking about, like, putting human beings into, like, stick figure, you know. Like, I don't know how you would do it.
0: I think it's the fact that the movie doesn't have much, like, moral ground for them to play on. It hinges on, uh, you know, Rick Moranis doing something nice and then being pathetic about the fact that Fred, who's an asshole, got really rich and, like, seems not to be really his friend or have much thought or care for anyone except for, like, an obligatory love of his wife like there's not much to play for anyone in there
1: right and there's not much like going on plot and it sort of has like a space jam kind of premise to it <laughs> yes it's like here's this thing we're trying to do we got to stop the bad guy from doing the thing by like having a scene of just utter mayhem as the right. climax <laughs> of that's the movie that's
0: way to describe it yeah
1: and here are, like, let's see how many brands we can get into the foreground.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, McDonald's is there. Um, everything's like rock, though. It's right. like Rock Donald's and McRock. Like the... <laughs> it's
0: by far the least clever of the three movies as far Roxyco. as... Rocksico. Yeah.
1: Everything's a Steven rock. or Steel Rock. A... Yeah. Like, what why would it, it be... Steven Spielberg executive produces this movie and like it says Steven Spiel rock presents a universe shell production. It's terrible.
0: This is easily the most nakedly money grubbing of the three. I think you could argue the makers of the other two movies, they're all playing on the same nostalgia. We're all getting asses in seats basically the same way. But the makers of the other two movies have ideas about the source material that they would like to play on. This one is just like. What if we use 1994 CGI that looks horrendous and get like people who have I actually didn't think
1: it was as bad as the Dino uh,
0: CGI.
1: It's, it's not great. I'll grant you that, but I thought it was sort of interesting. Like they don't ask it to do a whole lot and there's a lot of like practical effects that sort of obscure it. I would say,
0: I think this movie looks terrible.
1: Okay, I watched it on a pretty small screen, so...
0: I mean, it's it's very uncomfortable to me when, like, you have a real, like, stone car, and then just, like, a completely unmatted CGI dinosaur (laughs) running behind it. It looks like the George Lucas special edition Star Wars is what it looks like.
1: That's funny. Um, I didn't... I wasn't distracted by that. If you watch it on your computer, I think you'll be fine.
0: Well, you are going to want to buy a new television to crack open this puppy. 60 inches minimum.
1: <laughs> if you have an old like analog TV in a basement somewhere and you have this on VHS, I'm sure it looks great. Yep. Um but yeah, this it doesn't have much of like a Well, I mean this I think this goes down to the direction of this movie is like, you know, this movie is, you know, sort of an allegory about 1960s values the way that uh, Jingle All the Way is an allegory about, like, <laughs> capitalism. Yes, And it's the same
0: director, Brian LeVon. There you go. Ready to rate this one?
1: Oh, God, and he did the... He also did the sequel too. Oh, see You Soon, <laughs> Viva
0: Rock Vegas. <laughs> oh, the sweet oblivion of Viva Rock Vegas. Um, <laughs> this one, I mean, it has moments uh i think clock i think kyle mclaughlin's having a little bit of fun i think that you know it is insane and the cgi looks insane and the b52s are in it for some reason but like if you start to think about it at all also it's not funny it's a bad bad
1: yeah and i think it's like a little offensive too that like Clearly, the I feel like different ethnic groups are just represented by people further down the evolutionary uh, yeah. chart, there, and that Halle Berry is in the movie like only to be a sexual object, right? And there's like some weird, like, office sex dynamics in,
0: yeah. Well, f- l- fundamentally, it is more palatable for the Brady Bunch to be like in some ways, isn't the innocence of 1969 for these people better than 1995? That's fundamentally better than, like, wasn't it great when, like, semi-abusive husbands could fall up in the corporate world?
1: <laughs> yeah, and they their wives, like, love them, you know, regardless of their actual behavior, so, like, don't worry about it, Halle Berry, that, like, my wife caught me fondling you in the previous scene. Right. You know, it's it's not great, and it's and it's not as palatable to me because it's not a joke like it is in Brady Bunch. It's just like all these people are on the same level. It's not fish out of water like it is in Brady Bunch, right, where like yeah. Marcia simply doesn't understand that she's being taken advantage of. Like these are just shitty people. They just happen to be living like sure. in a weird, you know, nineteen sixties nightmare. <laughs> um so, for those reasons, and the fact that it's a shitty movie, I'm gonna say "Bad, bad
0: <laughs> I'm right there with you
1: and then our so our final film is Adams family nineteen ninety one and this is you know classic Adams family, these like creepy eccentrics,
0: I don't know, they're like satanists or Right, so going in, I was just like, "Oh yeah, the Munsters and the Adams family are exactly the same." This is not true. The Munsters are like based on every member of the family is like a universal classic monster, Universal Studios, right. not Universal everybody's experience. Um, this is more like Edgar, like the comedy of Edgar Allan Poe and Vampira right. and Ed Wood, kind of put together.
1: Yeah, this is this is Edgar Allan Poe's failed attempt at comedy here Right, right No, but they're, and they're based on New Yorker cartoons I didn't know this
0: Oh yeah, Charles Adams is the Right The creator
1: And they're just like these weirdos Who just like have endless they're, You know who they kind of remind me of? Because they're weirdos with endless supplies of to money And like no idea how the world works They, they remind me of like a whole family of like Tommy Weezos
0: Yeah Exactly.
1: So that's basically what you have here: is like a family full of Tommy Weezos who, like, th- follow the occults <laughs> and like are into like I don't. They're into like BDSM and they're into like killing each other right. and blood and gore. They're sort of like Halloween, like as people, right. like American Halloween as people. And so, yeah, this movie is about this guy who pretends to be a long-lost family member of the Adams family comes back.
0: Yeah, he pretends to be Uncle Fester.
1: Pretends to be Uncle Fester and comes back to to steal all their their limitless wealth. It's sort of like a similar setup to the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah, it's like, can we take the whatever this like secret x factor is away from these people The Um, steal the
0: secret sauce recipe
1: steal the secret sauce and that happens to be their limitless doubloons (laughs) for twins years we've attempted to contact fester in the great beyond and for 25 years nothing i'm beginning to think
0: my brother truly is lost now what about the gold they got this fool. you shave your head we dress you up no problem don't think he's Fester, the long lost brother i hope so mr alford for your sake it's foolproof it had better be So I watched a little bit of Adam's family. Um, sure. I think this movie is beautifully cast to draw out yes. the dynamics they want to draw out by casting Raul Julia as Gomez, Angelica Houston, oh, so, so much as Morticia. Uh, and Christina Ricci, I think, is unbelievable in this movie as Wednesday. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think even, I don't know that he did much again, but Jimmy Workman as Pugsley Adams is like, yeah. pretty good. Sure. And who's ever doing the hand?
0: You know every classic Adams Family bit is like some weirdo comes to the house and they're like, "Can I borrow a cup of sugar?" Or it turns out I'm a criminal, and then the Adams Family's like, "Oh, maybe we could um, host you here for a while." And then like Lurch scares the person, and they're like, "Ah, they run away." Like that's every episode of the Adams Family, uh, right? <laughs> but here they've drawn it out, and I would say going back to the uh, to its New Yorker. Origins with just the sheer Amount of like overwritten One-liners that are funny Because they're overwritten And like Angelica Houston Is able to deliver them The line she has like laid in the movie about Because the whole thing you don't know is like Is Uncle uh, Fester An impersonator and Angelica Houston is like On a rack being tortured Which she likes (laughs) And she says I can't tell who you are, the loathsome underhanded monster you've become, or the loathsome underhanded monster we came to love. <laughs> Which is arguably not good writing, but it's great writing because Angelica can get it out.
1: I don't think any other actress in the world, I thought this movie was pretty like, funny, and very quickly you could tell it's like very funny. Like right. the line, they're in the bedroom together, Gomez and Morticia. And she goes like, Gomez, he goes, quick, hey Rita, and she goes, last night you were unhinged, you were like something desperate, howling demon, you frightened me, do it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, she's so good, Um, she's one of the best eyebrow actors we've ever had, and boy does she get the mileage out of them in this movie.
1: There's something clever about this movie that I, I kind of like.
0: And it's not the story, it's not the plotting, it's not the well, story. Well, no one movie. wrote it,
1: no one thought about, like, what the plot should be.
0: There's this interesting bit at the end where the movie kind of briefly becomes Brady Bunch, where they get kicked out of their house and they have to, like, live in a motel, uh, and, you know, F- Gomez starts calling into uh, Sarah Jesse Raphael's talk show, and, like, <laughs> Wednesday is disgusted by Fruit Loops, and for a second there, you're like, oh, they should have just done Brady Bunch jokes again with the Adams family. But, like, the, the problem with this movie is, like, not there are really funny lines and performances, but, like, none right. of the sequences are very good.
1: I think there are some really funny, like, visual gags, but I just don't think this movie has a story. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the movie gives up on the premise that, like, the movie sort of forgets that he's... Because he has that weird shift. Um,
0: Well, yeah. Is it Fester or no? Fester has this weird
1: shift, and then it's like, where, yeah. And you think it might actually be Fester, and maybe, and then the movie's like, wait a minute, like it's not, because like that's that was the first twenty minutes of this movie. Is that it's not? But like the funniest scenes, I think, are when Fester's like being classic Fester, right? Like I think him working with them to create that. Like, Shakespeare scene yeah. is so... And that's, like, one of the best sequences in the movie.
0: Haven't you ever slaughtered anyone? I'm just a kid.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's got that book called, like, like Wounds. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then they're just, like... And then I think the performance is, like... It is good. It's, f- like, fucked up on a level that's, like, similar to the what happens at, like, the beginning of... The inciting incident of Home Alone Two, where all oh, the kids yeah. like fall down and the woman gets hit by the big cardboard tree. Right. It's right. just these two kids doing Shakespeare and just just squirting blood from like every orifice.
0: <laughs> Caroline Thompson co-wrote the script and she uh, worked on Edward Scissorhands and Corpse Bride and has basically made a career out of this like Burton and Burton esque uh, like right. new gothic comedy um, and line to line. The script is is great. Nothing. I laugh my ass off when uh, Christina Ricci, who is... How old is she in this movie? Seven? Something like
1: she that. Something crazy. She is a little crazy. child,
0: and she puts Pugsley in the in, a, in an electric chair and straps him down and says, like, I want to play a game. And Pugsley goes, okay, what's the game? And she goes, the game's called Is There a God? <laughs> 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 it's a great writing.
1: Um, yeah, on a or like line her line... line... It's like Halloween A movie climaxes in Halloween And she's just like in her normal clothes And someone asks her like who she's supposed to be And she's just like I'm a homicidal maniac They look just (laughs) like everyone else
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah she's very She has that child actor thing where you don't actually Know if she knows but she can Convince you she knows what she's saying enough That it's funny She's not like parroting syllable sounds
1: Right Yeah this movie has like a lot of weird like, total parallels, I felt like, with Beetlejuice.
0: Absolutely. And
1: it's... I guess Tim Burton was originally attached to make this, like, before Nothing would Scott... make more
0: sense to me than that.
1: <laughs> right. But I think it's also really interesting that Barry Sonnenfeld ended up directing this, because it's such, like, a Men in Black prequel. Um, See, I felt like this movie, for me, was the most palatable. Okay. I think that making an Adams family movie makes more sense. Sure. Cuz sure. the characters are weirder and darker. What I think would have been a better decision would have been to make like a good movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, one that didn't just feel like at an hour 40 that it went on for like years because there's no there's no momentum to this movie. It's like Fester comes to stay right. in their house and you don't know if it's Fester and he's got like this mom slash, like, person who's brainwashed him. I still don't know if that was Fester.
1: What? Right, I don't either. And I, like, definitely, you know, tuned out for maybe, like, 15 minutes in the middle of this movie, and I came back and had not missed a beat.
0: No. There's not much it's to just, miss.
1: It's repetitive. Yeah. And so I think for that reasons, for me, it's, again, it's a bad good.
0: No doubt. I'm 100% with you on that. But I think it's funny.
1: And I think it's well cast. I think there's a lot of talent there. But I think it just kind of collapses.
0: It just yeah, it never really had a plan. It was like we have the perfect cast. We have forty jokes, and they're like, okay, what's the plot? And they're like, ooh, I don't know. If you want to
1: like put on a movie at like a Halloween party, like while you get up to like go give people as they. Ring your doorbell, candy, yep. trick or treat, yep. uh, and you don't want to like miss anything. You throw this movie on; it's just like two hours of a fifteen-minute plot.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, it's almost. If I was in a worse mood and I didn't like the casting as much, I would call it one of the supercut movies, which is like it's fine. You can watch the best eight minutes and like never care about it again. But it's a li- it's marginally better than that.
1: Marginally. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I come think with we're Good. I think we're in agreement on this one.
0: My last favorite line is uh, when the teacher, right before the kids do Hamlet and freak everyone out with the fake blood, um, the teacher's talking to to T- Morticia, and she's like, the "People pointed out their heroes. There was a George H. W. Bush, and your daughter brought in this like horrifying drawing of her great aunt Calpurnia being crucified." And <laughs> Tish goes, "Oh, great aunt Calpurnia, she danced naked in the town square and enslaved a minister." <laughs> Enslaving a minister is the kind of humor that I still imagine kind of irking a nineteen ninety one audience, and I love it. Are there any other movies in this genre we should shout out? Any movies you wish they would make? I think they should
1: make a Jetsons movie.
0: That would be entertaining.
1: I think that would be far more entertaining than a Flintstones. movie They could do
0: a lot of funny humor about like our ideas of the future at the time.
1: Yeah, if they made it like just a straight adaptation of. Whatever year it's supposed to be in, which is probably pretty close to now.
0: Maybe earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe like this is nineteen ninety or whatever. I will have right. to look it up.
0: But like we said, there's a ceiling, and you like ram your there's head a against the because, ceiling
1: because, like, yeah, because these things are tried and true in small doses. Like, I think right. that's why people are finding the reboot to be a more logical answer to reviving old properties than let's make a movie, like seven seasons in a movie kind of
0: thing. Because nobody remembers shit that happened on the shows, but when you watch a movie, you're like, well, what happens?
1: Right. It's just characters that you're comfortable with you know, between commercials for things.
0: Yeah. TV and movies were just so far apart at that time. It was like, do you want to watch, do you want to watch, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show or do you want to watch Spartacus? Like that's so much, so much further apart than like no country for old men and breaking bad. Yeah. Well, folks, I think this is it for us on this episode. Um, it was just Noah and me today, a ton of fun. But if you want to, and if you want to go back and look at some of our uh, other episodes with like recent guests, we had the Instagram editor of the Cut on to talk about social media horror movies. Um, Noah and I did Breddy Sonellas movies, which was like a ton of fun. We reviewed A Quiet Place. Uh, we did uh, like Wild Things and Thoroughbreds. If you want to go back a ways, we did Kevin Costner baseball movies. You still got baseball fever.
1: Oh yeah, I'm in it to win it every day.
0: All right. Uh, you can find them all on berealpodcast.com And we're on the social media where you might expect us to be uh, If you ever want to email us Suggest a category, tell us what you think about a movie That's always fun uh, Berealguys at gmail.com Otherwise, have a dab time out there